not cool. I'm not interested. I don't want it. <clears throat> I'm not interested in coolness. Just no. Like I've, I've rejected coolness. I've eschewed coolness. I'm, I'm lukewarm. That's what I am. I'm not even hot. I'm lukewarm. I am an acceptable temperature. Warm enough, you know, to drink without burning your tongue. But also, if you leave me out for long enough, I'm just not going to be drinkable at all. I feel like I'm talking about my sex life rather than my temperature. <laughs> uh, anyway, <clears throat> welcome to welcome. Mexicans. This is Mexicans because we're Mexican. And we just can't. We just can't. I can't. We can't. Not, not today. Not even going to try. Not even going to try to can. <clears throat> so, let me introduce to you my wonderful co-host, Martin Leon, the man with the heart of a lion, the wits of a fox, and the phone numbers of several bears in his phone. <laughs> Martin Leon. Oh, wow. Nice. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, well, let me introduce uh, my co-host. He's that little ray of sunshine that turns your beauty mark into melanoma. <laughs> oh, my God. No. Luis Augusto. <laughs> Change Twitter bio <laughs> right now. I was quite proud of that one when I thought that of it. That is good. That is good. Well done. I am proud. Thank I am, you. I am proud. Thank I, you. You've made me a proud mama. Uh, do you know what I did this week? What did you do this week? I watched the entire first season of RuPaul's Drag Race because I had stuff to do. So I decided, let's procrastinate and just watch the first season, which is now on Netflix, by the way. Netflix Mexico. I don't know what's up with Netflix USA. Yeah. And... And I thought that, you know, it's kind of, first of all, I did not know that so many phrases came just from like from the first season. Like, you know, this last season, you just had a thing, a thing with opulence. You own everything. And that's from the first season. It's 11 seasons later. 11 seasons later. Well, the thing is that, and this was mentioned in, in season 10. I haven't seen season 11, but um, season 10, like, wasn't it Aquarius? I don't know if it was Aquarius, but there was a queen there who was like, I saw the first season of RuPaul's Drag Race when I was, like, in middle school. And, you know, like, I think it was Michelle Visage <laughs> just shot her this look. Like, but um, I... I, I it's, it's become such an iconic thing and it's been happening for such a long time that yes. obviously people are going to go like, oh, wow, this, you know, this yeah. thing has become a meme and so on. I haven't actually seen the first season ever. It's a, it's a good, as you know, your parents being, uh, <laughs> they're not archaeologists. Anthropologist. Anthrop something with an A. Oh, Martin Leon. Is more than three syllables? He's not interested. He's not interested. I have this all. thing where, like, if it's a word with more than three syllables, I will default to a British accent because I find that to be like, an oh, of course, anthropology. May I please introduce Dr. Livingston? <laughs> yeah. Uh, but, you know, you having anthropologist parents, maybe you will. No, it is like, you know, like, finally I saw the beginning of certain memes. I hated. If you saw the first season, you probably share my hate for Rebecca Glasscock, who went up to the top three with no reason for being there. Uh, she was the what's the what's what's the, and she's remembered every bit as much because no one ever mentions her in the last exactly season. yeah no one no one likes her. Uh, Bebe Sahar won. Who was yeah, I, I know she won. Three. Yeah, I know she won. And then there's um, <coughs> Nina Flowers. Ooh, Nina Flowers' drag is amazing. Really? Like, look for her. She just her her, her drag is like it's a mixture of punk and uh, you know like these weird mohawk wigs. You know this very this makeup that's kind of like uh, like if Kiss was a Broadway musical. <laughs> okay, <laughs> wow. That. Kiss should be a Broadway musical. I'm pretty sure. There should be a... You know, there's like musicals for like every... You know, we have yeah. Mamma Mia with ABBA. I, they're doing an Elton John musical, if I'm not mistaken. What else is there? There's there's Oh, God. Like jukebox musicals? Yes. Just as many as you could possibly want. There's one with Queen. Of course. There's like... In Spanish, we have one with Mecano, which is this like really um, iconic band. Yeah. <clears throat> there's one oh, actually my... right now going on that's called Mentiras. Never seen it. I don't want to see it. I hate it. Yeah, it's... I hate the idea of Mentiras. My boyfriend loves it. 
predictably, um, he actually works for the company that runs that musical. And yeah. it's like, it's, it's essentially this jukebox musical of 80s. Um, hits, the thing, the other thing is like, yeah. you know, I think the problem with Mentiras is that they just decided to put every single song from the 80s in a musical. So you start listening to it. It's not like you're listening to a nice arrangement of a song. It, like Moulin Rouge is part of, you know, it's kind of a jukebox musical. Which, that no, it's definitely a jukebox musical. Um, and... But Mentiras is just like a line from this song and then a line from the other song and then a line from the other song and then a line from the other song. And it's just nostalgia. Well, yeah, but I mean, look, I'm just going to say, I love the theatre. I love the, oh, yeah. I love the theatre. But I, I think that the theatre sometimes is a bit snobbish. It's a bit like, oh, people need to see this wonderful Norwegian play. And it's like, no, no, they don't. Like... It's it's boring. It's a boring play by a famous author. Like it happens all the time. And this is a play, or this is a show that's clearly giving people what they want because it's been running for ten years. Yes, but have you considered that people want stupid things? Yes, I have. <laughs> but theatre was never meant to be intelligent. This is a problem. And that's I'm, true. I'm a theatre major. True. I'm a theatre major. I'm just going to say this. I love good theatre. I love I love my Shakespeare and I love my Ibsen yes. and I love my Chekhov. Like I love. I love the, the classics, but theatre was not meant to be erudite. Theatre was meant to be popcorn shoving, just yes. let's go get drunk and watch the opera. Like, it's just... Yeah, yeah. It's this idea of Shakespeare was not, you know, played for only the hoity-toity of the Victorians. No, it was cross-class, yes. and he gave something to everyone. And even in his most, like, famous plays, you know, like, Romeo and Juliet begins and, with dick jokes. And... and he was no stranger to a good j- dick joke, and he was giving. He loved them. a dick joke. He loved a dick joke, and he knew that people wanted to see them. So there was there is really nothing wrong with giving people what they want to see. This is a problem that I have with some comedians here in Mexico. Like, like for example, there's this guy called Franco Escamilla. He's by far the single most successful comedian in Mexican history. Just like the Mexican history. Yes, I I would say no more than Cantinflas. My God, no. I don't think Cantinflas would have filled Madison Square Garden twice. Cantinflas did not perform live, but Cantinflas did got an Oscar nomination. That is true. He did get an Oscar. You are, you're, it's different, but, it's but different. he is the most successful Mexican comedian right now. Right now. Let's do that. And right. I completely, 100% do not get his comedy. He's never made me laugh. He's never made me smile. It's, I think, derivative and predictable. And I yet think- I have to admire Whatever the, whatever the fuck it is that he's doing, because he's clearly giving people what they want. And in the end, that's supposed to be our jobs. Yeah. It doesn't matter how, you know. No, but, but, but I think, I mean, I also don't get, I haven't seen the special, the Franco's coming special. And I've never really, and I've never seen him live. Uh, there's this other really uh, successful Mexican comedian called Hector Suarez Gomez, who's all, who also went to Chicago and filled the theater <clears throat> over sure. there. Yeah. And I saw his full show three times and I did not love it. But he had 400 people in a theater just rolling over laughing. And when people told me, like, started telling me, like, oh, I don't like his comedy. I'm like, well, you know, you might think whatever you want about his comedy, but you need to see him live. Yeah. Because he is doing something right. He is doing something right. And you may as well sit down and listen and learn to what he's doing. And that's what I feel with Franco Scamilla. Like, I don't like his comedy. I wouldn't tell the kinds of jokes that he's telling, but I would definitely sit down and learn from the guy. You should see him live. I, I would see him live. I would definitely see him live. Yeah, and what you mentioned with theater is the same thing with film. Because in in the end, film, when it started, people were just like, whoosh, what is this thing? Uh, Melier, who started fiction filmmaking, really, uh, nobody, you know, he tried to buy a camera from the Lumiere brothers. And the Lumiere brothers told him, don't waste your money on this. This is a fad. Nothing's going to come out of cinema. Yeah. Uh, because the Lumiere brothers were stupid. Well, no, the Lumiere brothers were like French. Rising. They were French. <laughs> Melier was no. I, I get it. I know. No. No. I mean, political comment, whatever yeah. commentary aside, what what is going on? Like, first film was seen as a very uh, you know lumpen yeah uh, art form. It was like it was low. It, it was, was low. It was yeah. you know. <clears throat> with Chaplin now is like ooh Chaplin, but Chaplin wasn't making movies for you know the ooh social commentary whatever. No, he. He made movies for uh, for most people. Eventually, he and did. Most make, he people. did make movies for social commentary. 
He did. He did finally with the, the, great, the, great, dictator. the great dictator. But even the great dictator is very accessible. It's, and it's it's hilarious. not it's not this hoity-toity yes. comedy of like you know it's it's a it's it's a very relatable comedy. Yes. And actually, it, like understanding where uh, the great dictator comes from and how why Chaplin chose to broke his idea of. Because Chaplin did silent movies because he wanted everyone to be able to enjoy them. Yeah. And why he decided that he needed to make an actual statement with words. Uh, Chaplin was just... Maybe he's the cinema's Shakespeare. Without the dick jokes. Could be. He just he was, enjoyed He was not strange to a good boob joke, though. No, I mean, he was he just did. like... He did like his... Yeah. No, but yeah. It's, the point is, the theatre is not meant to be highbrow. I don't think so. I reject the notion... It should be for the people. It should be enjoyable. It should be readily enjoyable. You shouldn't have to read on you know, some background bibliography yeah. just to be able to understand. Is this thing that happens with video games nowadays? I don't know if you're saying there's this video game, but in order to understand the story of the video game, you have to have like a glossary of terms. Well, there are <laughs> author video games. You know, there are authors oh. that will do, and that there's an audience for that, and that's why they're doing it. This is an, uh, this is a theme for another, another yes. podcast. What is okay? So let's begin then with our Mexican stereotype of the day which is street, street vendors. vendors. Now, why street vendors, you might ask? Street vendors happen to be a very important part of urban life here in Mexico City and in Mexico at large. And this yeah. actually, you might not know this, but this actually goes back to pre-colonial times. So pre I don't like saying colonial because we weren't a colony, but pre-Hispanic times. Uh, <clears throat> even in uh, the biggest city in Mexico before, just before the, the conquest by the Spanish, which was uh, Tenochtitlan, which is where it is now, mm-hmm. it was where the news were exchanged, it was where every everything was exchanged, you know? And yeah, everything. You wanted to get some corn, you go to the market. You wanted to get a new slave, is your slave looking a bit lackluster? Get a new <laughs> slave, go to this place. This slave will make a much more suitable sacrifice exactly. to Tezcatlipoca. Yeah, um, and the word for the mercado in back day, which is tianguis, uh, is still the word for the for the the street market, the street markets today, the tianguis, uh, which are the sort of mobile street markets that uh, I do have friends who know, like, oh, this day the t- the tianguis will be by my house, so this is when I have to go yeah. and do my shopping. Mine's on Saturdays. Okay. One block away from here. I don't go to Tianguis, but there's like an actual mercado place, market yeah, thing like in my a, house. Yeah, like a fixed yes. marketplace. I go there and I go always to the same vendors. Yeah, you can't go, you can't walk through Mexico City without running into at least 20 or 30 vendors. And they will sell everything. And there's just like, there's the, the, the people who will sell you the, um, Pumpkin seeds, they roast them and they'll sell them yeah. and, you know... Like... And that's the thing, there's several... Like, they're part of a neighborhood's, I feel, personality and the feel. like yeah. Like, uh, with the newer neighborhoods, especially suburbs, where there's nothing at that at night, where there's no... Where you don't have an old lady coming out at, you know, 9 p.m. to start, you know, building a little fire and yeah. selling whatever, quesadillas, whatever... They they seem very barren. They seem very what's the word um, American? Yes, I agree. <laughs> and I wasn't going to say. That. It, we are currently broadcasting, by the way, from a neighbor, neighborhood called Colonia del Valle in south central Mexico City. Um, it's actually uh, quite an old neighborhood by Mexico City standards. It's got a very much a very working class history, although obviously in the last 20, 30 years it's gentrified to no end, so now it's actually quite expensive. But the buildings, you know, it's still full of these buildings that were clearly made for, you know, the smaller family, the new yeah. urban family, you know, the idea that the Mexican family, the stereotype of the Mexican family being huge is actually quite old. And in Mexico City, from I don't know, maybe from the 1950s onwards, the typical family would be three children, maybe, yeah, yeah. and you know the dog and the car and so on, yeah, on average, on average, let's say. Uh, but it was a smaller family, smaller nuclear family, and these neighborhoods uh, developed just in time for this need. So it's got this. My neighborhood, I love my neighborhood. It's it's a very it's, nice, a, very... it's, it's a very it's got a, its own identity. And yes, you can go out of my house. I mean, the, the tamale guy. I, I think he's already passed, he so I, passed I, I miss him dearly. But you'll see the street vendors that move around the city selling their wares or buying, because you, you get street buyers as well. Yeah, there's also uh, a guy who sharpens knives. Oh my god, yes. Yeah, he does it horribly. Any any friend of mine who actually likes knives hates him. 
Because he will just... They will he, ruin your knife. Yeah, they will, they will but, you know, but he's, but he's not really the guy you take your good knife to. He, he's, you know, like, you know, like the usual housewife has a knife that's just, you know, like she bought at the marketplace. It's fine. Just go there. Yeah, he will, he will like tear it to shreds, but... She needs it to be sharp for a couple of days. Exactly. I used to work at a cafe in one of the most, my, one of my favorite neighborhoods in uh, Mexico City, which is Coyoacan. It's a very traditional neighborhood and it's a big... Uh, it, everyone likes to go there. It's like yeah. it's it's probably especially Independence Day, September sixth oh in Coyacan is beautiful, wonderful, wonderful. And Coyacan has this huge plaza. It's like Coyacan, like a lot of neighborhoods uh, from the time, uh, they were built around the plaza, and the plaza is where the marketplace would yes. be on the weekend, and where like when there was a celebration, that's where people would go, and there would be like you know activity. And to this day. That's why when when it's uh, Independence Day, uh, you go there and there's it's there's there's a festival really uh, there and in also downtown Mexico City. But one of them is more likely to trample you than the other. <laughs> the Mexican markets are one of my absolute most favorite things in Mexico. I think it's quite remarkable when when you think about it that you're doing this thing. And when you go to the tianguis and you buy things from the tianguis and you come back, you're essentially doing a thing that people have been doing in this country for the last 700 years. And I think that's amazing in a country that was conquered and such a strong cultural conquest by the Spanish, not only socially, but religious. And, you know, the tr so many traditions were just stamped out. They either... Helicopter. <laughs> they either chose not to fight it or couldn't fight it or it just simply went on the thing is the thing is they knew that and i'm pretty sure spaniards you know also loved the marketplace for what it was you know and it was this is a very nice market <laughs> i i did not know that there were so many fruits here i mean I, I i think that's kind of it you know like why you know if it's not broke if it's not broken why fix it you know like and again if you're gonna have the you know if you're gonna have I'm not going to want to say subjugate, but that's the only word that's coming to Suppress, mind. Suppress, maybe? Yeah, but it's like when these people do this, well, what's the point of forcing them to do something else? Uh, in my in, in my case, it's kind of different because my mom, my mom's very much in, she, she really liked supermarkets when they came out. So like, as far as I'm concerned, like we did not go to the market, not because there was anything negative about it. But because, like, why would you? The supermarket's cleaner, the supermarket's closer. Because my, my, I did live for most of my life in what were basically suburbs. And they do have a wider variety of things. This is and they, and you know, exactly. But, I mean, we only went to markets when, for, like, very specific things that you could only, like, specific, specific kind of spices, specific kind of, like, or we wanted, like, a lot of one thing for, like, a lot of one vegetable for a party or something. Then you went to got the huge box. And then Costco came around and we stopped going to marketplace for that, for that. Uh, so for me, I'm kind of re rediscovering um, the marketplace and, buy and buying things because for me, I just it was so default for me to just go to a supermarket. And now I go to the marketplace and I, and part of me hates it. This part of where I need to talk to so many people in one day. Oh yeah, no, it's, it's exhausting. It's exhausting. It's like that you have to talk with one person for the dairy and the other person for yeah. the cat food and the other person for the chicken and the other person for the fruit, the person for the vegetables. And then. But, um, and there's an extra added bonus. Well, I do love the market. I love going, but yeah, it is my social anxiety just like just flares up mm -hmm. whenever I have to go there. I, I also try to find the same people because they know me already and that yeah. makes me feel a bit less anxious. Um, people, you know, they, they'll say, oh, the, the Tiangas are so much cheaper. Mm, big maybe. Big maybe. Uh, better quality of products, usually, yes. Especially fruits and vegetables, like the best. You want yeah. to get like the papaya that was meant to codify the papaya. You get it at the Tiangas. You don't get it at Walmart. Um, then again, you do have to, and this is a phenomenon that I've discussed with many fellow white Mexicans, there is the white tax. There is yeah. a thing. They will give you a different price if you look foreign. or if you. Yeah, yeah I don't get that. I'm not that white. Well, you're, not, you're not that white. Yeah, and it, no, it's true. But or maybe I do, and I haven't noticed. I haven't really made the comparison prices to a supermarket and market, because for me, it's not about whether I quote-unquote save or whatever. For me, it's this idea of uh, you, it's better to go to a marketplace. 
I mean, not that families don't eat of, you know, the, their salaries when you're, they're working at Chedrawa or Walmart or whatever. But, like, there was this little tiny um, Abarrotes store near my house. Yeah. And it was just hanging on by, you know, by the nails. Because, like, they opened, they opened an OXO, like, three blocks to the, to the north. And it lost. And then they opened one right next to it. And now they just opened a new supermarket in front of it. And that was it. Okay, now it's just a liquor store. Like I know, I know this because there was a family there that I kind of knew, and, oh, and one of them, one time they recognized me, like you're Martin Leon, and I'm like yes I am. Um, so I always went there to buy to, to buy yeah. some things, and the la- and stopped going because now it's just a liquor store, and basically they sold the store. And yeah. so for me, it was this thing like, if you're gonna save the neighborhood, you have to you know support the families that live there. It's a statement, um, and a lot of people have called me out on this, like oh you only go to the youngest to make a statement, and I'm like. Yeah, it's not a yeah. bad statement. It's not, it's not a bad statement to say. Oh, I want to support local growers, and I want to support local. You, you know, just don't hit women because you want to make a statement. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's true. I did the experiment when I was far more insensitive. I did the experiment with friends because they would they like whenever I would go to the Coyoacan market or whatever, they would notice that they were getting higher prices because I was the only white guy in my group of friends. And we were getting... Just because I was there, and we did the experiment once, of we went to the same places separately one day, and on average, I was paying not that much more, but it was, let's say, 10% more, 15% more. And I'm like, you know, I was, I I got to thinking uh, a couple of years later after that, I I didn't really complain. I didn't like say, oh, how dare you? Reverse racism. Reverse racism. No, I I got thinking, you know what? My people stole their gold. It's okay if they charge me more for a (laughs) cucumber. You know, it's, it's fine. Like I'm willing to pay for that. Is it white guilt? I don't know. White guilt is something you feel. Here, white guilt is something you're charged for. And that's fine. And that is fine. I do like my markets and I do like my street vendors. I'm, I'm, I'm really liking going to market. I like. I even like the tamale guy just blaring his things. I even like the um, the scrap metal buying people. We've mm. mentioned them before, but they yeah. just they just walk around and they just drive around in these uh, yeah. pickup trucks <clears throat> buying scrap metal. And I'm sorry, but developed world. What do you do if you want to get rid of an old washing machine? You have to, you know... Put it on the curb and advertise it for free on eBay. Yeah, that is such a bourgeois way of getting rid of... No, it's true, but all you have to... Like, I was talking to a friend of mine, she lives in Norway, and she needed to get rid of an old fridge to buy a new one. She actually had to get a contractor that would come to her house, measure the fridge, make sure that it was good enough for whatever they charged her like probably half the price of the new fridge just they charge her to take they it away charged her to take her away to take her away sorry <laughs> the fridge is here but we have to we're taking her. this woman to <laughs> just as a bond we're taking this woman as a bond now, yeah no I, I heard that too in some places in the US too you can't just throw stuff away you have to pay for someone to come pick it up and here they'll actually buy it from you and they come to your door yeah it's great and the guy that actually picked up uh, this old mattress I had from my house well actually he, he let's just say he was nice for me to watch him flex his muscles as he took it away oh oh you're sexualizing <laughs> just no objectifying you're objectifying it's fine he's poor I wouldn't fuck him <laughs> <laughs> and that brings us to the main course <laughs> of yes! today. That is a segue if ever I saw one. That is, here we go. And it's also alive. And what is our topic today, Martillo? Political correctness or political incorrectness. Po- correctness. The correctness value of politicality. I exactly. Guess. <laughs> Let's call it that. Um, so, yeah, uh, political correctness. What is political correctness, Luis Augusto? Oh my goodness, what is political correctness? Okay, so fine. Uh, both Martina and I spend an awful lot of time, maybe more than should be healthy, um, online. And political correctness is definitely, a, you know, I'm going to sound like a BBC broadcaster right now, but this is really one of the hot topics today. <laughs> like, today on BBC News, has political correctness gone too far? Has it not gone far enough? Here we have one man from each race to get together and make the uni race just fucking each other right here on the stage. No, it's not, but anyway. But I'm imagining it as we speak. Well, that's the BBC for you, right? <laughs> I grew up watching the stuff, so it's like, that's what okay. they do. They, they just love their hot topics. But the, the thing, uh, I mean, yeah, political correctness has been going mad for the past 20 years. Uh, 
But basically, if I were to put like an easy definition on political correctness, is what's allowed in good company. Yeah, what is allowed in in, in proper in company. any company, really? I mean, that's yeah. the whole point of political correctness. That it's and the detractors of political correctness will say the problem with political correctness is that it has it has permeated all these different circles. And now it it used to be that you couldn't say certain things when you were in the business environment, or mm-hmm. you you wouldn't uh, in an official environment, or in church, or whatever. And now it's like, oh, you have to watch everything you say when you're hanging out with your friends, and you don't know who you might. And that's the, the key word here is offend. Yeah. You know, it's just political correctness is the sensitivity and rather the reluctance to offend people. Okay. Yeah, I'd say I think that would be I like the, that. yeah, the, I like that. just like assuming that you're gonna you may offend someone or that the possibility of offending someone might come up and trying to avoid this dreaded faux pas pitfall of having mm. offended someone who may or may not even be there in the you know, because there is that's the thing. So um I think we should start by doing by presenting our homework. Yeah, let's, okay, yeah. let's start by presenting. Gusto, Gusto gave me homework. I was like, "What? Is, what are you?" I am teacher? a te- I am a teacher. I am a teacher. I, st- I teach English lit so, and social but, but studies. But I did a lot of that. Yeah, when yeah. The, the, of coming up with uh, not not making, but rather Im- remembering quoting. Yeah, uh, an 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 politically incorrect <coughs> joke or unpc joke we love and one we hate which one do you want to start with and we should say also why it's on pc and why we love it and okay. why we hate it so let's start with the one that we hate okay yeah so you first i hate most of political incorrect humor to be honest uh and more every passing day um i well, well you've heard enough thank you for listening <laughs> No, I, the thing the thing is, you know, like because a lot of times when I hear, uh, uh, the say, say for example, some homophobic joke, it's not I'm not hearing anything new, uh, and so I'm going to choose this one. It's uh, it's uh, there's a Colombian uh, uh, comic here in Mexico called Ibrahim Salem, um, who does a joke about uh, the pride flag and gay people, and he he basically says that he he was not gonna. Insult gay people because a gay, uh, a gay guy is someone with the sensitivity of a woman, but the strength of a man. So, like, that's, that's how you get, a, a, again, a guy punching you, crying on top of you, and that's how you get AIDS. And that's basically as I high the 80s called, they want their jokes back. Like, yeah. you know, like, Eddie Murphy did this a while ago, honey. Like, you know, we have... Retro, we, we have prep, you know, like if you did the slightest amount of, you know, whatever. And I know he's straight and he doesn't need, he doesn't, he thinks he doesn't need to care about, uh, HIV and AIDS. And to be fair, that joke, although I agree with you, the writing is sloppy, his delivery does. Oh no, he, he, bring he's a, a lot to the He's joke. a nice, and I mean, that joke kills. <coughs> I mean, I, I, I've seen it bring, seen yeah. it bring down the house with that joke. Uh, but for me, like, and the first time he, and the, the thing is for me with comedians in Mexico, like when I ask, is this joke offensive? I'm like, oh, yes, yes, it is. Or I find it offensive. Yeah. Rather, I would say I find it offensive. And they'll go like, and what I'm saying is, like, I'm not saying, uh, don't say the joke. What I'm saying is, I do find it offensive. I find it offensive. And I, you shouldn't really be surprised. Exactly. It's like, I am Martin Leon. I, uh, you, I haven't been invited to a party for the last 10 years. <laughs> <laughs> no, but this, are you offended? It's like, I'm not even offended. I'm just bored because I've heard this joke before. I, that you're not offending me with something new. Like, like some, someone was writing something about, uh, about how uh, gay people are, you know, very racist between each other. And oh, I found God, that, yes. and I found that, you know, you know, that is hurtful. And, and I, I, I can't be offended by that because, eh, it's you know, true. um, but in this other joke, it's like, it's just, just guy trying to pretend that he's doing penance for his own joke on stage, when in the end, he's just doing an AIDS joke that I don't find particularly funny. It sounds, though, as you're not really offended by the homophobia, as one might call it, of the joke, mm-hmm. but rather it's lack of originality. Yeah, because that's it. The other thing is, like, I hate it, and this is what I tell a lot of people, like, I don't mind... Like, I think the stage, you should be free to say whatever you want on stage. Uh, freedom of expression is, this is a stage you can say whatever you want. Freedom of expression is people will answer whatever they want. And, you know, if you say some things, people are not going to like it. Yeah, you go into the freedom of expression game exactly. and people will go back and forth. And freedom of expression is too precious a treasure to endanger by limiting it. 
And I mean, yeah. that's the thing for freedom of expression. Write it down. But uh, but what I'm saying is like I hate these comedians. I will say, oh, but I didn't mean to be homophobic. Oh, but like, but I actually have you know I have gay friends. I have a gay friend. And yeah. this is why. And this is why I hate people. Like for for a while, some straight comedians will come and like tell me a, a, a joke and tell me, do you find it offensive? And I'm like, well, you know. What you're trying to do with me right now is use me so that when another gay guy comes and tells you, oh, you know, I found that offensive, say, well, my other gay friend did not. And it's like, well, you know, we're all different gay guys. We're, we're not a hive mind. We're not a hive mind. We might have, you know, hive wigs sometimes, but we're... <laughs> no, that so, is true. So that's my... Sometimes people feel, feel I feel like they, they try to be, they try to validate their own joke. Like, and look, I like... I like it when a comedian is being purposely incendiary. I like it because I think it's there's a there's a lot of um, how to say there's a lot of catharsis that can be involved in <clears throat> somebody making you laugh at something that you know it's mm-hmm. wrong to laugh to laugh at. Yes. It, this is this has been going on since the Greeks. I mean, this isn't even new. Like Greek comedians such as Aristophanes would mm. genuinely like you could tell he's writing this to make people mad to make this was a, the, the, <clears throat> the taboo you know it's, the taboo like let's not forget the Greeks will say oh they were so civilized and they were so forward looking no they were not they were a very religious very fundamentalist society and just saying bad things about the gods or about religion in public was punishable by death and yet you have these dramatists who would just go on stage and put on a play where gods would literally Literally be taking a shit and they would go what what is he doing and it was such a cathartic moment probably and it was liberating and i don't think there's anything we could possibly be offended at today now that could even compare to someone being offended at a religious joke two thousand years ago i don't know i think that i think that not being able to look at mohammed and drawing no, we as Westerners. Oh, okay. I'm talking about we as Westerners. Okay, because, okay, okay. I mean, we don't live in such a society. We don't live in such an, an oppressively yeah. religious society. And we can say, oh, but Catholicism, no. Yeah. Like, the no, 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 no. It's, it's, and especially nowadays for Catholicism. There is but no anyway, point of comparison. What's the um, PC joke you hate? PC joke I hate. Um, I have, I've actually cheated on this. I'm not choosing a specific joke, but I'm choosing a genre. And the genre I've chosen is a genre that Mexican comedians... Love, they love it to pieces, and I just can't. I simply, I Mexican't with this, and it's the genre of women are crazy, crazy, crazy. I hate. No, what is that voice? But I crazy. Women are crazy, and the reason I hate it is because there is rarely any fundament to it. I like an unpc joke that. Through an unpc delivery or unpc, they tell something true, and it's like, oh god! But I've seen this. I've seen this happen. So when they say, oh, but women are crazy because they don't let us get drunk every day, it's like, yes, but I'm not a woman, and I wouldn't let my partner get drunk every day because, hey, he's a partner. He's got responsibility. Like, yeah, it's like, it's like, yeah. I'm sorry, but alcoholism isn't a good thing to be it's doing not a good thing, yeah. in general, and it's not a good person. It's you shouldn't stay married to someone who's an alcoholic. Yeah, women are crazy because they get. Mad when we hit on a woman. Hey, guess what? Maybe you shouldn't be hitting on other women when you are in a committed relationship yeah. with someone. Like, I think it's just a lazy joke, and I think it's a joke that is just so pandering. It's so pandering because even the joke that you chose, it ends with a funny. It it starts with a funny, and I'm going to be honest. The joke that you mentioned, Ibrahim, although I do not really care for the extra punchline of the AIDS, the idea of how he says it. I'm afraid of gays because they've got the therapy of a woman, but the strength of a man. Actually, that's something that I've thought before. Because, because it's you're like, crazy like no, women, Luis Augusto? Not because I'm crazy <laughs> like women, but because I've had like fights with men who mm-hmm. I've been dating, who which not, it has never come as far as fists. They have gotten physical. In ways that, from both sides, in ways that they haven't, it hasn't happened with women. Like, there is an instinct. There is an instinct with men that sometimes you feel like, oh, oh, am I, am I being attacked? Am I being I'm like, punch you? You're, you're, and, and I'm not saying there was any punching. There was not even any shoving, but the corporality has changed. Like, this could evolve into a fist fight because all men have, you know, we've, we've been in this kind of like, am, am I going to fight? Like, am I, am I, am I going to be in a fight? And I'm not really sure that I can, but it's a thing of. Okay. 
and and and, and I, I mean, I, I don't. I'm not saying there isn't a perhaps a kernel of truth in the joke. No, that's the thing. There is a certain truth that is being observed, and it's being delivered in an original way. I do think that saying they've got the strength of a man and the therapy of a woman, as he said, I think it's funny. I think it's funny just because it's like he says it in this way of what am I going to do? Like they're emotionally and physically capable. They both come from very ridiculous stereotypes that why are men not emotionally capable and why are women not, not physically capable? It, it's ridiculous. But it is something that I think I have thought at some point. Not necessarily... You go back to your joke. My <sighs> joke. Um, when men, men say women are crazy, this is a conversation that I've heard happen at bars with my own friends saying, oh, but just, you know, she's, she turned out to be crazy. And I'm like, why did she turn out to be crazy? Oh, you know, because she was... And then they say something that is just perfectly human and natural. And I, I do have a joke about that, which is like when uh, when a girl gets angry at a guy and the guy uh, explains why he's angry, it's always the same path. First he, first he says, you know, the girl is angry. Second, he says he doesn't know why she's angry. And third, he explains exactly why she's angry. Why she's like, angry. Why, why are you angry? I just fucked your cousin. It's like, it's a mystery. Um, so I hate those jokes. I hate, I hate them. You know what I? What and they I, always get laughed. Yeah, you know. Here's the thing, the, and, and this this is my hot take on women are crazy jokes. I find it to be like a a, a communal gaslighting of women that it starts when they're cra- when they're really young because from really God, young yes. they, women are told you cannot trust your own emotions. And especially nowadays where we're discussing, you know, sexual harassment and women, you know, going into workspaces and being told this is something you have to expect, you know, is, you know, from, and I see this from very, very young, from, you know, Hector Suarez Gomez, why he said some good things, but he has a joke about his, his daughter and saying like, you know, she's already, she's two years old and she's already manip- manipulating me and she's already, you know, being, you know, not be, being, saying thing, things that are nonsense. And, you know, when it's a, when it's a little girl saying something with nonsense, it's like, oh, this is show that women are doing, saying things that are nonsense since, uh, they're really little. But when it's a boy saying something, it's nonsense. It's like, oh, there's probably some wisdom behind that. Or um, maybe just boys will be boys. Exactly. Yeah. But especially when it, <clears throat> when they when when girls come into the teenage years, and this is something I saw with my friends, because I, I had mostly girlfriends when when I was in in middle middle school and, and high school, is basically everything that they said became suspect because this idea that you cannot trust women, that you cannot trust their own experience, that they can that they're emotions cloud their judgment and this is why girls that are 13 14 15 years old that are you know sexually harassed abused will come and say this happened to me you know this other not even like adult men like the one of my classmates did this to me and adult men and women will be oh you probably just imagined it yeah and it's so for me, this idea of women are crazy is, you know, again, hot take. It's gaslighting. It's gaslighting, but and, and it actually works. Like there are yeah, so no, many I mean, women. There are so many women who will say, "Oh, it's just it's because I'm crazy." Yeah. So many women comedians will say this. By the way, I have not mentioned this, but this is not exclusive to men. So many women comedians, their entire setup for a joke will be, "I am crazy the, because I'm a woman," and the entire yeah. setup for a whole show. Yes. Um, I, I think this is why, and, and, and some women managed to like twist it in a way that's say like, well, you know, it started like this, but you know, managed to like take it somewhere else. Reclaim it maybe. But especially like, um, uh, like begin, like when they're starting and, and they want to, you know, feel welcome in a world that's dominated by men. They will def- default to these jokes that are, yeah, I'm crazy and yeah, I'm a slut and yeah, whatever. And I'm just like, Ugh. Absolutely. I don't I, I, I hate those jokes. I think they've got no place and I hate that people love them. The, the thing yeah. I hate the most is that people love these jokes and it's just ill observed ridiculousness that just like it's it's got no backhead. Yeah, and it's just this idea that it's this idea where, you know, if you just scratch the surface the whole thing comes down. It does, it's, but it's... people will not that's the thing. And I like a joke that goes to the unexpected. Yes. And this is just a joke that men will tell to each other while they're having beers. Like, and, and my girlfriend's so crazy. And it's my a joke that so they start crazy. they start being told when they're like six years old. Yeah. And the girl they were, you know, bothering for five days finally turns around and slaps them 
And then the dad will be like, well, that's how girls are. They're crazy. Not you have been harassing this girl for the last five days. Maybe you deserve to be slapped. It's <laughs> women are crazy. No, yeah. Women be crazy. <clears throat> women bitches uh, be crazy. So on the other side of the spectrum, an unpeasy joke I love. Yes. And I want to hear this because you, you're a self-confessed hater of things un-PC, which I completely respect. You can't. I love Joan Rivers. Joan Rivers is a woman, and Joan, especially because Joan Rivers never, ever apologized for a joke. Uh, she was unapologetic. She, she would never say, come down on stage, like, oh, no, you have to understand, I didn't mean that. No, she would, whatever she said on stage, uh, she meant it. And her delivery is flawless. And she was doing, if, if I am half the comedian that Joan Rivers was, oh, I God. will be twice the comedian I could ever be. But uh, one of the, I mean, there's so many to choose from, and um, but the one I have on my on my on my head right now is one she does about, and the thing is, these jokes come out of nowhere. Well, I mean, once you see the once you know the joke, it's I mean, obviously, but hindsight is twenty twenty. But the joke is, uh, she's talking about about uh, Melissa, her daughter. And he's like, I, I, I live with my daughter, and she comes with her friends, and I hate them. You know this girl, the girl with the with the lips, the blowjob lips, Angelina Jolie. Okay, and she's like, she comes all these children. Ah, oh, don't touch me and she's such a hypocrite she's like oh i love all my children we don't even know which ones are ours and which ones aren't isn't it true little rachel and little michael and little magumba <laughs> and, oh my god and it's i mean it's not only i mean it's a racist joke it's a, it's a it's racist very joke racist. that it's you know that it's calling out angelina julie and all of hollywood for this idea of, oh we're we don't care. We don't see any difference, you know. It. I mean, at, Joe, I could make. I could do a whole episode on Joan Rivers, and we should. We um, should. Well, I, I don't know, later. But uh, but I think I mean Joan Rivers and specifically Dajo. And again, uh, a because she she is very un, unashamedly herself. She's, These yes. are my prejudices, and I will and I will show them to you. Without being like, oh my god, this this might ruffle some feathers, but you know, which I which I which I hate. Um, it's this idea of and and, and I'm sorry, I'm no, just it's good. Basking in the love she's I being, have for John Rivers, being genuine and yeah. being genuine goes a long way. And she has so many jokes that you know you might. I mean, there's a joke where she starts she starts saying like. She tells women, women, looks matter. Education, she spits on the ground. Looks matter. And she just goes and say, like, how, you know, how a pretty woman just does better in the world. And it's true. And she knows that. I mean, and she knows that. Be and that's why she had all this plastic surgery done and, you know, kind of backfired at some point. But, <clears throat> well. but, in, but she's so unashamedly herself. And that's why I love her NPC jokes, because... And also because I think our prejudices overlap at points. So. <laughs> True, and, and that's the thing as well. Like, there is a certain level, as I said, the catharsis, the recognition that maybe I have this... He's Here. come back, he returned for me. <laughs> He's coming for me. He's going to give me his tamale. It's going to be amazing. It's going to be a chicken tamale. Oh, God, I love chicken tamale. A barely chicken tamale. Yeah, chicken tamale with salsa verde. That's just <laughs> the best thing. So, um, the catharsis. Yeah, the catharsis. Like, when you recognize your own prejudices somewhere. And she, and, and what I like about this joke is, like, I don't think she's actually trying to be inflammatory. She's actually denouncing something. There is something there beneath the, it's, it's a racist joke. I'm not going to deny it. Yeah, it's a totally. racist joke. It's based on stereotypes. Horrible stereotypes, but there is a there, there is something that she's denouncing, and I like how she does that. Compared to the joke that you mentioned before, what is being denounced in the gay tears joke? Nothing. nothing. There's nothing being said like this is wrong and this it's is just wrong. Like remember the <clears throat> epidemics we had in Absolutely. we had a while ago, and it was there awful, nothing, and millions of people <clears throat> died. There is nothing being, den being denounced. But yeah. like even because she, she, I mean, she, she has jokes. She has jokes for everyone. Um, and she she never shied away from you know making joke making jokes about gay guys and you know their gay guests. She got yeah. She 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 never cared. Um, and in fact, you know her her roast uh, in Comedy Central is one of my favorites. 
Um, and for example, her roast, uh, keeping up with the children theme, she, she walked into her roast with a whole bunch of children and like colored children and each child had a price tag on it. And she's like, and she's just like, Angelina Jolie was having a sale. It's, uh, a re- it's refu- what they call refuge in audacity. The idea that you take it so far. Yeah. And again, the joke that you mentioned before doesn't take it far enough. No. I think if that joke, I think that joke could be even better. If it went twice as far, no. twice as far to be offensive and twice as far to be... That's the thing, like, <coughs> um, the, the times that I've actually been offended at gay jokes, um, and because most of them I'm offended at people saying homophobic shit, and I'm offended and I'm angry, but it's yeah. not funny, it's just... But when it comes with that, as Oscar Wilde says, you know, if you want to tell people the truth, make them laugh, otherwise they'll kill you. Um, but when they, when the, this idea of, I'm afraid of... For example, I understand straight men have... Like, masculinity is so fragile that the idea of being gay is yeah. scary to them. And when when they manage to take it that way, it's like, I'm I'm fine with gay people, but it, it just... It would tear down my whole world if I saw a penis and did not instantly recoil in, in disgust. Absolutely. You know? That's... Absolutely. Um, so that's why I love that joke. And, I like how, and why I love Joan Rivers. I like how your parameter, and I think it's a very well-placed parameter, even though you say, oh, I hate politically incorrect jokes. You don't. You hate politically incorrect, stupid jokes. Because Joan Rivers' joke, it's clever. Yes. There's something being said. It's well thought. Yeah. And speaking of clever jokes, I've chosen my absolute favorite <laughs> dark humor comedian. I, if I ever am half the comedian that he is. <laughs> He's wiping a tear. I'll be something. Face. I don't know. I thought he was having I'll a seizure. No, 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 He's actually no, I'd wiping an imaginary went, tear. Something went into my eye, okay? But this is by, and of course it had to be a British comedian. This is by Jimmy Carr. Now, Jimmy Carr defines himself as, quote, an equal opportunity offender. The idea that he doesn't really hold back any punches. He goes, he tells homophobic jokes, misogynistic jokes, jokes about pedophilia, jokes about uh, special needs children. He tells all these jokes, but he does it in a clever way that is very, he sounds polite when he says them. He's got a very deadpan, very precise way of speaking. He wears a suit. Everything is very well thought out. His image is very well thought out. And because he clearly is having so much fun, it makes it very difficult to be angry at him. Because, and we've seen it, Martin, if you don't know, Martin has a workshop on Saturdays where people come to him to seek his wisdom. (laughs) They leave half a dead goat before him and then he gives them feedback on their jokes. I call myself the the Hufflepuff of the... (laughs) The standard comedy teachers in Mexico. So I just take everyone. Yeah, and he is the Hufflepuff, the Hufflepuff house because you don't choose him, you're stuck with him. <laughs> no, you should have saved that for an intro. I know, I'm sorry, um, but anyway, in his, oh, I've been to his workshop at times, and we've discussed some people going into that workshop, and we're like, that joke, that un PC joke is not funny because it's there's too much hate. Yes. There's too much hate in it and not enough playfulness. Yeah. And Jimmy Carr just nails the playfulness and he does it really elegantly. And I, I've actually, I want to mention two very short jokes. He's a very one-liner kind of guy. And the first one I'm going to mention, it's, to break it down, it's homophobic, it's misogynistic, and it's fatphobic in 40 words. And he says, <laughs> and he's doing so and then he goes, <clears throat> he's talking about fat people. And then he says, of course, not all fat people are jolly. Some of them are lesbians. <laughs> and there's a laugh. And then he uh, he doubles down with, if you're a lesbian and you didn't find that funny, you're surprising no one. <laughs> and that is a wonderful joke for many reasons. One of them, because it's a little bit true. He who has not a lesbian friend with very little sense of humour cast the first stone like this is it's it's a thing and we know why it's a thing and we understand why it's a thing and you know lesbian women and gay women of color yeah. specifically they they have every reason to have it's no really sense. heavy women yeah. like it's like you're a woman gay, you're yeah. a fat you're, you're a lesbian yeah they have every reason not to have a sense of humor but there is a truth in that yes. and then when he says if you're a lesbian you didn't find this funny he's actually winking at the angry lesbians and saying it's okay. 
you can laugh at this. And if you're not laughing, that's going to make you laugh. So it's kind of like a chess move. He's basically checkmating the offences. So you're getting offended at something and then you're like, oh God, I can't be offended now. And the other joke he says, this is a joke about... Um, and what I love about this joke is how surprising it is because the other one, it's kind of fairly predictable. Fat people, lesbian, no sense of humour. It's clever, but it's predictable. This joke is so surprising and I love it. He starts, it's and it's a crowd work joke, so it's perfect. And he goes, are there any teachers in the audience? And he's like, yeah, there's lots of hands go up. It's, it's the UK, teachers can afford to go to <laughs> Um And, you know, yeah, there's a teacher, okay. And he goes, uh, okay, um, are there any special needs teachers in the house? And then a woman, in the, in the special I saw, a woman keeps her hand raised. And she's like, the only thing I have to say, and, and she asks, he asks for her name, and it's like Danielle, I think. And he goes, the only thing I have to say to you, Danielle, is that I think special needs teachers are the best and the brightest, are the best and the brightest, in my humble opinion. And everyone's already, oh, no, 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 no. Everyone's already reeling. Oh, because course. Jimmy because... Carr doesn't say nice things and he is kind of skirting this, and, yeah. there's he's tension. generating all this tension because he's talking about special needs and he's saying you're the best and the brightest so you know there's something coming so already the audience is guessing what is he going to say and then he goes you're the best and the brightest because and he says I'll tell you why I can prove it uh, we all know teachers socially and they always are on about like, oh, I can't go out because I've got papers to grade. I've got marking to do. I've got exams to blah, blah, blah. I've got essays to mark. Not you, Danielle. <laughs> not you. You're not grading potato paintings, are you? And I think that's so funny. Like, because how can you like, it's so insulting. But in the end... He, it's a woman who's dedicating her life to educating special needs. Yeah. And we all know that's a lie. We all know that the job of a special needs teacher is very, very hard. Yes. He knows it. But he has created this argument that is like, oh, right. She has no marking to do because what, what are you going to mark? Like, for example, and of course, there's a lot of things to do, but I think that's such a good joke. I think it's surprising. You don't see it coming. It's like, you said something really, that I really liked, which is like, there's, you know, about the workshop, about there being too much hate in a joke. And I think that the, the, the reason why the, the, the dark humor and the on-PC humor works with some comedians is because you don't feel that hate. Um, and here, you know, again, there's the wink of, you know, he doesn't hate lesbians. He doesn't hate special needs teachers. Clearly. And he makes but it, it very clear. Exactly. Yeah. But, but, and for example, this joke with a special needs teacher, uh, in the end, it's kind of like, this is a joke she could have said about her, about her own work. Yes. If she had the tools to make jokes about her own work. You know, this is very much a joke. She, like a special needs teacher doing stand-up could have been like, you know, you know, I could complain about being a teacher, especially a special needs children. But, you know, other teachers have the great papers. I don't. You know, it, it, it is it is a joke. It is quite an empathetic joke, even if it is a very... Insensitive. Uh, exactly. Yeah. But, you know, also, the other thing, I mean, humor connects us, but humor also, is, it's sort of like a... Like a, a vaccine against other shit, you know. Yeah. Like if you if you can make fun of the fact that ha ha gay people have sex in, through their ass when some religious slid and like oh gay people have sex through their ass, you're gonna find that funny. Like yeah, that's true. And you know what's funny about that? Nothing. <laughs> no, there's nothing funny. There's no, there's nothing. a lot of things that are funny. About no, that. everything can be funny. That's yeah. And I, I think uh, we have no time, so I did want to ask: like, do you have an unpeasy joke you do that you like a lot? Besides all of your material. Yes, yes. Okay, so um, context. I am a fairly un-PC comedian. Not, again, I try to be very careful as to always having something to denounce. I, I like to think I'm trying to emulate Joan Rivers in that. You know, it's just uh, not as well as she mm -hmm. does it. I'm not presuming to be half the comedian she is. But <clears throat> uh, I do try to, to be denouncing something. And some of my favorite jokes are extremely un-PC But because I think I, I do a lot to establish myself as a relatively sensitive person and my comedy comes from a place of outrage. So I'm like, oh, I hate this. Yeah. And then I quit. And also the thing is like, uh, you know, no matter what you say, like I have like Christian jokes and people have like, like, like say like, oh, you, that's offensive to Christians. I'm like, yeah, but I'm trying to offend Christians. Yeah. Well, not all of them, just the ones. So here's one that I would say probably my most effective joke. Mm -hmm. Like if all... 
other jokes fail. This one succeeds because it goes even further than anyone could have possibly imagined it. So I'm talking about racism in Mexico. I'm talking specifically about how people in Mexico, for a broad variety of reasons, they clearly prefer light-skinned, and we are a largely a mixed-race country. Mm-hmm. But because we're mixed-race, we have the, you know, the spectrum of exactly. colors, uh, from very dark brown to very, very white. And I'm talking about how openly people prefer white to brown. And I talk about uh, babies, and I say, have you noticed, and I start with, a, that's me denouncing, have you noticed that, uh, by the way, if this is not funny for you, I blame the language barrier. Uh, have, you noticed, have you noticed that um, when women have a white baby, they're oddly proud of this white baby, and they're like, yeah, they, they really like the white baby, and so on. Um, and the friends are always complimenting the baby on its whiteness and they're going like oh it's such a white baby and they genuinely do this this is a genuine thing they'll go oh he's so white they will use that word he is so white he is so blonde look at his blue eyes they compliment it like they're they're appraising a diamond yes and then and then then i note and then i say have you noticed nobody says anything if the baby is very brown you've never heard someone in this country go oh you've got such a brown baby or it's and then I, I, I end, the joke is when I say, because in this country, mentioning that a baby is brown is like mentioning he's got a genetic defect. It's like <laughs> walking up to the baby and say, oh, he's got the most adorable cleft lip. He's going to be one hell of a whistler when he grows up. And that whistler thing brings the house down because it's so absolutely ridiculous, I think, because it's so absolutely ridiculous that someone would find something hypocritically good to say about something awful. Yeah. That is a cleft lip. Also, I wrote it very carefully. Cleft lip is a problem that is non-life-threatening. It's fairly uncommon. It's relatively easy to fix. Very, you know, very few people with cleft lips actually grow up with cleft lips. Even now, even in state hospitals in yeah. Mexico, yeah. the operation is fairly simple. Also, like- also um, I have actually a, a thing about that. Um, my my brother is, you know, a shade whiter than I am. Yeah. And he has straight hair. And, you know, so my grandmother and my father's side. You know, he had like, he had very like, uh, he was whiter when he was a baby. And he had, like, very clear eyes, like, almost, like, honey-colored. So my grandma was, like, you know, doting her. Like, oh, my God. Again, he's so white. They appraise. Yeah, he's that's so white. Yeah. And, it's and, a thing. And when I was born, and you can see, and, and you can see this in, in, in my baby photos, but, like, uh, but, you know, I have, I have a very, um, I have a curly hair, and I, I thought with it for ages, but it's, like, a very close curl. Um, and so when I was born, you know, it's curly and chubby. And if you see some of my photos, especially ones, you know, I look, I look like I have, uh, which I probably do. I have African, an African, African lineage somewhere. Um, and, and my grandma, so she did not dote as much over me. Uh, but finally one day she told my mom, she's, she's like, you know what? He may not be as white, but his eyes are very dark and that is rare. So that is good. And I was like, when my mom told me this, I'm like, well... No, it's disgusting. It's I mean, like, well, it's good that my grandma found a reason to love me, I guess. <laughs> no, it's, it's across the board disgusting. And it's something yeah. that we as Mexicans, we've seen it and we've experienced it. In the also, thing, like, I, I, have an, I have a cousin living in LA and she had uh, a black boyfriend uh, who was so hot, by the way. He was so, he's probably the, the hottest boy, boyfriend my, my cousin has had. But uh, but of course my aunt and my grandma they're not racist. Scandal. But they're Scandal. not racist, but they just don't want they use the thing is marriage material. So I was talking my mom was talking to me uh about that and she was like like making fun of them, like, oh your your grandma, your aunt are racist and they don't and they don't accept it. I'm like, well yeah mom, but like what would you do if I had like a black boyfriend? And her answer was, Martin, you're already gay. Like I'm fine. <laughs> You've already crossed the barrier of disappointment. With it's like, Basically, what do you what do you think you can possibly disappoint me further? Is it like, yeah, it's fine. There's a just so- as long as you don't die alone. Which brings us to something I would like to mention before we close uh, this this episode, which is there is a certain degree of safety in being part of a minority when you're telling un PC jokes. And being part of a vulnerable yeah. group. Yeah. Like, I am sure that part of the reason why the, the, the audience, audiences empathize with me, even though I have a very, very 
caustic sense of humor is because I do start with saying, oh, I'm gay. And, you know, it's like, oh, I'm white in Mexico, but I'm gay in Mexico. I won and I lost and so on. And this kind of gives me permission to talk about... You have like, a charm, too. It's not only that. You have a charm. Not not every gay guy gets a, gets, gets, a, gets a pass on that. I agree. But there is a, like, come on. It wouldn't be the same thing if Joan Rivers had told the jokes that she told if she'd been a man. True. We know that. True. It's, it's but, I thing. mean, my answer to that is like, well, of course she wouldn't because, she, you know, her entire life experience would have been different. Uh, my, my, my thing with that is I agree. And I think that as a, that as a gay guy, some, uh, rather as gay men, some gay men think they have way more leeway than they do. Um, they think their gayness is worth more than it is. <laughs> exactly. As a currency, uh, not really. But as far as my NPC joke before we close is... What is your NPC joke? I've been... The thing is... Uh, and this I learned through a delivery workshop. Uh, not delivery as in delivering packages, but joke delivery. Like, I don't know how you say that. Martin delivers one hell of a package. Order Amazon.mx. Yeah, which is ironic Just... because I'd rather be delivered packages too. But... Oh, uh, God. No. Um, the, so, through in that workshop, I... That's where it kind of... Because... I don't like NPC humor and I kind of did, if not pride myself, I kind of, you know, kind of try to stay myself away from, but then in that workshop, uh, the teacher, Gloria Rodriguez, who's also your stand-up comedy She was my teacher, yes. Uh, she, she's telling me, do your routine, like, you have to do your routine in a different type of style. So one guy had to do this, like a cheer, like a cheer, like a cheerleader. Other had to do it like a, like a, like like one of those pastors on TV. And she told me when I went on stage and I thought there's nothing she can throw at me that I'm not going to be able to do. I was like, and the Gloria and is Gloria. So like the moment I went on stage, like you have to do this as if you're a reggaeton singer. And my brain instantly went, I'm sorry. Do you think I know what reggaeton is? What am I poor? <laughs> and it just made me like come crashing into this thing that I have that I don't, that I have a class problem. I had not. That, and this is a thing that I hadn't... I mean, of course I knew I had it, but I, I thought I had it under control. Like, you know, like... Going Just to the, a minor class I'm going to the marketplace, people. I'm, yeah. I am talking to them. You know, like, what else do they want? Uh, Sometimes I even shake their hand. I know. I mean, And I, I don't wash it immediately. And, and so that's where I started. Uh, I, I, I thought I wanted to go on stage and, you know, sort of be honest with that part of myself and the fact that... Uh, that I have this problem and that I don't even know how to fix it. Like, honestly, because it's so... Because it, it does come from upbringing so much. It's know? ingrained. It's ingrained. Yes. And it's just the way my... You know, because for me... Like, you have this thing, for example. Uh, like, the first time I went to a, a friend's house and they did not have a refrigerator because, they were, you know, they couldn't afford one, I was just mind blown. I just thought, you know, every house came with a refrigerator. What do you mean some people don't exactly. have fridges? Yeah. And it just came with the fact, like, you know, like, in my house, if you know, when I started... When I wanted to start baking, my parents just bought everything for me to bake, like yeah. measuring cups and measuring spoons. And, you know, like, do you want to bake? Do, go ahead. Definitely. And when I went to, a, a, like, friend's house and they didn't have anything, I was like, what do you mean? Like, they're so cheap. And it's like, Martin, understand. So, and this is kind of thing I remembered, you know, like, it kind of, like, dawned on me after that. So th I do a joke now, which is very much, which is about, uh, you know, meaning, uh, which, that, that, I, that I've realized this about myself, you know, that, I, and a friend, and a friend of mine, and I usually use one of the comedians in the show who's, who's brown and who usually says, I'm poor too, because there's always one of those here in Mexico. Yes. Um, and I was like, and I really appreciate him because, you know, right, like right before the show, he like talked to me for the show and he told me, Martin, you have to understand that you were born with privilege and you have to recognize this privilege. Who was this? Uh, the, in this joke, let's say it was Aníbal El Muerto. Okay, fair enough. Uh, he, he talks no, about privilege. He didn't. Yeah. This is, this is, this is yeah. fiction. Okay. Don't ruin my joke. I'm sorry. Don't ruin my fanfic. I'm sorry. <laughs> so, uh, so it's like a friend, of, you know, he stopped me and he told me that Martin, you have privilege and you need to recognize it and you need to use your privilege to improve the lives of others because if not if you ignore your privilege you will ignore all the, all the people that do not have this privilege along with it yeah and of course I told them I'm sorry I really don't have any change right now <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness and, and that usually brings down oh. the house unless he has a lot of friends and <laughs> goodness no that is but and, and the thing is you know of course it's, it's, uh, it's kind of a, a strong joke to start the theme with but it, but it does it, that that is where I realized I was I am I thought I was, you know, so far along, and I maybe in some themes. You're, when it comes, you're so woke. Exactly, but when yeah. it came, when it came to class, I'm 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 just another private another guy in Mexico who went to private school his whole life. Yes, uh, and that's 
And I think, you know, now that you hate me, we can end the podcast. Let's end this, yeah. <laughs> now that we, you know, you and I are on the same page, listener, then let's end <laughs> the podcast. So uh, remember to follow us on social media, Mexicans Pod on Twitter. Mex- it's been Mexicans, so nice um, to sit down with you for this chat. Yes. It's been nice. Please stop by later. And please, 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 please uh, give us a follow, give us a, give us a like, uh, and whatever you want to message us as far as things we could do in the future are your favorite on BC joke. I'm going to hate it, I swear. I'm going to love it. But Just share. do it. Especially if he hates it. I'm going to love it. <laughs> the more yeah. I hate it, it's going to be this like... Let's, let's, make, let's make this into, <coughs> into a contest. I'm assuming you've heard a number of episodes now because I'm delusional. So, <laughs> um, if you think there is a joke you can tell that will specifically offend Martin Leon, I will genuinely... Love you. I will genuinely love you. I've given sex, sexual favors for less than that. So, you know, ring me. It'll be fine. It's great. Just offend Martin Leon. And if you think, because, you know, maybe I can get offended at something too. So if you think you can offend me, go ahead and do it. We welcome it. Okay. Because we just can't. I just want you to know that this is not going to make it to the It's not going to. No, I'm sorry. What? No. It was an. It, it, hey. Let's just keep on writing offensive jokes. But let's offend people we don't like. <coughs> it's offend- yeah, but um, the other day I was like, I was thinking about the offensive jokes and how, like, maybe.